Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Balls Mike And I am the ECW Phantom. I don't get the reference. My bad. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see what happens on the show, Matt. Did I just forget about something? Welcome to episode 239, Crossing the Line Again. Again. What's the, every time, I don't know why, but when this show came up and when I wrote down Crossing the Line again, the chorus of that, what's the, the Aussie song, and I can't remember what the actual lyrics are now because I just want to say, Crossing the Line again. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, damn it, that's all I, I can hear. I know, I've had the same problem. Uh, going home again? No. I should know. Don't ask me about an Aussie song. I, it's good, it's good Aussie too. Not, it's not all created equally. Why is my brain just dead? All it's again? fine. We'll get to it when we uh, get see, to See, for it. me, I just keep thinking of Carly Simon coming around again. Yeah. So this was the <laughs> only Crossing the Line Again event produced by ECW. It would take place on February 1st, 1997 from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with an attendance of 1,400 people. Not bad. I mean, yeah. They're always hanging from the rafters here. And by the way, it's... Flying high again. Flying high again. There we go. Yeah, good song. Crossing the line again. Yeah, it's off of yeah, Diary of Madman. (laughs) First couple Aussie records, like the first uh, two, are true bangers. But we are in Philly. Yeah, we is. Haven't been there in a while. Been a little bit. So Shane, been a nice little break. Do what you do. Well, you say that, but we watched. NWO sold out last week. Yeah, we did. So, it's a you say nice little break, but this almost feels, yeah, like a splash of water yeah. on a hot day. I mean, it has nothing to do with the the show itself. It's just you yeah, know, Philly is is a pain in the ass sometimes because we're there so much mm-hmm. and coming up with ideas. But thankfully, to our good friend Joe, who uh, sent us this list of drinks that he uh, got from Chat. GBT. GBT. There we go. I'm like, why did I forget the name? Yeah, he... For those who had not been paying attention, our friend Joe submitted a list to us. He uh, asked ChatGBT to create an ECW cocktail menu, and uh, one of the ones that uh, is on the list is what I made today. We've had some great luck so far. The uh, Raven's Revenge was delicious. The Dudley Dropkick was also really good. The Franchise Fizz, I... Might still make one of those to this day because, I mean, bourbon ginger ale with a little heat from a jalapeno was delicious. This time we have what's known as the Sabu Slam. As it states on here, brace yourself for this adrenaline rush of tequila, triple sec, lime juice, and a splash of cranberry. It called for it to be served in a salted rimmed glass, but 
I didn't want to go through all the trouble of that. I don't blame. If, I don't like a salted rim. I was gonna say if you it's want, I can go grab some salt and just, like sprinkle yeah. a little, little bit on top there. But if I ever do that at home, like make a margarita, I don't bother with the rim. I just put a pinch of salt yep. in it because it's always too much, man. Yeah, I'm, I don't think we got to stop with the rimming of glasses. I just don't get it. I mean, it depends on it. I guess what it so. is. Like, it's never you know, never worked. For I, me. I like it on a Takati. I like it oh, yeah. on a Bloody Mary, but I don't need all the the salted and sugared and all that other stuff yeah. on every single drink I get. I'll take it on Bloody Mary, but I'll just squeeze the lime into the Takati. Yeah. This one I just garnished with a, a lime wedge, added a little more cranberry to it because the splash sounded way too little for something that didn't really call for any other mixer in it, so maybe it was intended to be a shot who knows but i mean it's good cranberry and lime yeah. can't go wrong let's uh i haven't actually given it a full taste yet so it's nice i liked it better once i added the, the squeeze of lime squirt, squeeze of lime yeah yeah Hold i'm not stuff. i'm not typically a, a tequila sipper but i could do one of these especially with the extra cranberry because that's usually my issue is the lingering taste of tequila eventually just bores my mouth after a bit and or numbs it, or gets it drunk, or something. I don't know to the point that it'll I just don't want to drink it anymore. Do it'll definitely yeah. do the last one. I like to tequila as like, far as, but it's got to be. You can't be using like Montezuma tequila. No, this one I use Patron. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not mad at all. No, not I'm, a bit. I'm enjoying this one quite a bit. So thanks so, again, Joe. Yep. Chat GPT for the win. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening, we, we have. One, two, three remaining drinks on this list. So, if anybody else wants to come up with a uh, some more uh, another ECW inspired list thing. of options, whether it be drinks or food or whatever, you'll hear our uh, email address at the end of the show. But wrestlinghistoryx at gmail just in case you ECW forget to listen at the very end. Sandwich is maybe yeah Philly from sandwiches. If if you're a, I was a friend from of Chat GPT, like what could yeah. you be like? Oh, you came up with drinks. Like, sandwiches are pretty easy because, like, I think that Chat GPT could figure that out. Yes, you wouldn't want it to ask you to create like full dishes or meals for you. No, but you know, if anybody listening happens to know Taz's favorite holiday side dish, or <laughs> who else, Mikey Whipwreck's favorite candy bar, you still haven't done the thing where you're like, well, running out of ideas. Sandman's on the show. I brought a couple Budweisers. <laughs> No, but I bought some stuff that looks like, you know, Sandman's bathwater. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of used him for inspiration. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now, his his valet got a massive brain hemorrhage, so, you know, I made something to to send her off as well. Yeah. But, yeah, we're we're down to the last few on this drink list idea, so any extra help and inspiration would be greatly appreciated. Absolutely. Well, something that would happen right around the same time as this show, actually the day before, George Lucas would begin releasing the special editions, starting with A New Hope. I mean, I still have my, my you can see it from here, my VHS. VHS box set. Not the special edition box set. I got it, like, I didn't, I got probably into Star Wars, I guess, in like fourth grade. There was a kid that I became friends with that was like a year younger than me, but he was uh, pretty smart and pretty nerdy. He had a nerdy dad, and uh, hanging out with him one night, we were like, oh, we're going to watch all the Star Wars movies. I'd never seen them, and of course we fell asleep 
it like basically when the first one uh, ended, but that started my journey into getting into Star Wars, and then I saw all of these movies in the theater with my uncle because mm-hmm. he was into science fiction, uh, so he took me to go see them. My dad did not care about <laughs> Star Wars. Can't blame him. It's not for everybody, but yeah, this was exciting for me. I remember Star Wars being on TV during like a holiday, like they would play them on TNT, I think they still do. And uh, I was like, oh, what's this? And my uncle was like, you've never seen Star Wars? <laughs> I was like, yeah, no. And then uh, I was, you know, fourth grade, perfect time to be like, I'm all in on this. So I saw them all in the theater with him. It is a great time to yeah. get in on them. Yeah, I waited about, we probably waited a week after they each one came out just so we didn't have to deal with huge crowds. But uh, yeah, he took me to go see uh, all of them in the theater. And I still love those three movies. I like those three movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was never a, a big Star Wars fanatic. Yeah, I remember, I mean, I was born in 77, so, I mean, Star Wars has been around Your whole about life. as long as I have. <laughs> yeah. But it, I don't know. I, I've always had issues with a lot of sci-fi movies just because it's just, Not I mean, I, I have a vivid imagination, but at some point it's like, all right, come on now, just, Okay. Yeah, See, um, like I like I like anytime you put something in space, I'm down. But as soon as dragons show up, like my eyes glaze over, which sucks because I love a nice drawing of a dragon. But for some reason, fantasy never connects with me. But if you put something in space, I'll like always at least give it a try. See, like I remember, it's like they're not that far removed from each other. I vividly remember the trash compactor scene or whatever the hell it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's kind of. That's like the. I think that's the scene that I was like, "What is this?" Yeah. When my uncle was uh, watching it, and I was probably just running around the house or whatever. And uh, yeah, that was the scene where I was like, "I need to know what this is." See, I was, <laughs> I was definitely more into Spaceballs than I was Star Wars. That's funny. I mean, of course, I loved that movie uh, <laughs> after I had seen the Star Wars movies because an absolute parody. Yeah. yeah. I went and saw the. And it has very childish humor. I shouldn't say I went. I saw. The, the next round of you know parts one two three when they came out um, I didn't go to the theater see them I wait, waited until they were on video but I didn't really care for those all that much and Same. then I've because of how much I didn't care for parts one two three I've never wasted the time and it might not even be a waste of time to see any of the new I would the new, new. say that there's a couple okay ones but if you you'd, you're you're gonna have a better time just rewatching the first three. Mm-hmm. Do you have an order? One, two, three. Is I'm a new. One, I'm a two, new three, hope or guy. Four, five, six. Four, five, six. Four, five, six. <laughs> or my one, two, three. All, all, like eleven movies that have come out. Uh huh. Oh, I've, I've, after that, I almost don't care. I'd go, I guess, four, five, six. Maybe the one where they blow everything up. The like prequel to a new Rogue One, and then I really liked the first of the new ones. So I liked Force Awakens, and then after that, you can jumble them all up, and I'll be fine with it. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of. After that, I'm like, I saw them all, but those are the ones that I like actually really enjoyed. I've seen every single one since they released special editions to theater. I was able. I've seen. Yeah, I did the same. All of them in theaters. Although I did fall asleep. I've never seen all of the th- of episode three because uh, I fell asleep 
in the midnight showing towards the end <laughs> and I never went back and rewatched. I was like falling in and out of sleep whenever uh, like at the climax of it mm-hmm. and I remember um just like falling in and out of sleep and hearing her like say the names of her children as they were being uh pulled out of her body and uh giggling like an idiot <laughs> like oh my god what is, what's happening here yeah but uh, people people stand for uh the episode three Re- not range of the sith range of the sith range of the sith okay uh, yeah clone wars is the second one right yeah yeah see i will or i attack of the clones attack yeah i mean i'm not i'm clone not wars uh, yeah like i'm not a super fan i've never got into the extended universe stuff but i love the three movies that created a phenomenon. I think that they're mm-hmm. great and a good time. But I'm not out here reading like the Timothy Zahn trilogy or whatever. And that might not even be his name. They're really good. I've heard they're great. I think I own the first one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really want to see part one, didn't really want to see part two. But then when part three came out, it was like, all right, well, maybe I should check them out because I kind of want to see how old Darth Vader is is born yeah that's where we insert the Patton oswald bit that i agree with completely what's that uh where he's like it's like the joke is like we don't want to see darth vader become darth vader it's like well he was a kid he was really sad and you know they they took him away from his mom and he's like so that's like saying like you like angelina jolie a lot you think she's real hot well here's a photo of john voight's balls <laughs> it's like yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. Or the Rob Zombie Halloweens, where it's like, I don't want to see the full origin. I don't want Michael Myers to be sympathetic. It's scary when you yeah. see the first movie and it like starts the opening of the first Halloween movie. It's terrifying w- without context. It doesn't matter what happened because it's scarier not knowing. Mm-hmm. And I feel similarly with Darth Vader. And they took three movies to do that one. So I just remember people bitching about the first one nonstop. So when I went to finally go watch them, I was like, all right, let's see what this is all about. And I got it. I mean, b- people bitched about Jar Jar Binks. But yeah. The movie was designed to be a kid's movie. Yes, but if you watch them, half of the stuff is, more than half of the stuff is like a bunch of political intrigue. Yeah. It's not even adults it's, don't even it's, buy it's, anything. It's a, kids, so, it's a kid's movie with the... Uh, Political, a yeah. political thriller. Yeah, so like the argument that it was made for children is null and void, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I think it's a terrible argument for those prequel movies. I'm not mad at anybody for enjoying them. I don't even hate them, but like they're not, they don't have the, they don't, they, never, they didn't, like I was in fifth, sixth grade when the first one came out, and I saw it in the theater, and it did not make me like Star Wars more i just saw it and i was like that was fine i guess but like none of them imprinted on me or yeah, made me a bigger fan saw number one like six times yeah in the theater. It worked on you i thought it was fun no i just didn't realize what a bad movie was at that time. <laughs> i guess i didn't either but like in hindsight they none of them i never was excited for any of them except for the first one because but after that it was just like well i guess i gotta go see it but it didn't like push me further into being a fan of the like universe it's like oh well i still like those other ones so i remember watching the second one because that's the one that has natalie portman and kira knightley right yeah okay yeah i didn't realize that was kira knightley at first because i just thought that was natalie portman playing two parts i don't think i mean i don't think anybody really knew who kira knightley and then was it was like holy shit they look that much alike 
but I was already a big Natalie Portman fan, so you know, I wanted to see her take in the Star Wars universe, and then it kind of made me sad because <clears throat> it wasn't. I mean, for Natalie Portman, all the shit that she's been in, she's done some great stuff and some low budget stuff, and it's always usually a, a guarantee that I'm gonna like it. There's and zero really great like or it. memorable characters from episodes one, two, and three. The only memorable one that like is new. Darth is Darth Maul, who doesn't do a goddamn thing but get cut in half in his first battle. He, he just, just looks, looks cool and had a cool lightsaber. Mm-hmm. You're talking about Yoda flips around, does shit. And yeah. Oh, yeah. He can yeah, move. That was and Space Jimmy Smiths. I mean, I'm I'm pro Smiths just showing up anywhere because I think he's fun. But And then you put Liam Neeson in anything and, you know, the voice just takes yeah. over. They just didn't, they didn't imprint on me at all. But... I'm a big fan of the originals, and I even have the a Blu-ray bootleg of the originals on Blu-ray without the special feature stuff, this like special edition stuff in it, because you can't get those today, Woo. and they don't yeah. add anything to the movie. They actually take away. They actually take away. So I have. Well, I purchased I, a bootleg I, of them on is, Blu-ray, so I can have it in 1080. Like, and the right, you know, instead of my VHS copies, which are not widespread. For the most part, like, the adding of, like, creatures walking in the background, like, whatever. Cool. Mm-hmm. I understand you didn't have the money in 1977. That doesn't bother me too much. That stuff doesn't bother me. The thing that bothers me the most, and it's not, and I know a lot of people think the Han yeah. thing is, like, egregious. I'm like, I don't care. I never really thought about that as a kid. In the any the real thing way. that bothers me the most is in Return of the Jedi, the Force Ghosts at the end, Luke would not picture Darth Vader as Hayden Christensen. Yeah, he never saw him like that at all. He would picture him as the fucking old man that he saw take off his mask. The on only Death version Star. of him that he's known. Yeah, the little old prune inside the scary helmet. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one, that's they, the one like, egregious thing, well... They added Hayden Christensen. No. Like a flashback? Of yeah, they, in yeah. The, in the, the you force, know at the, the end, force ghost is Hayden Christensen instead of it being the old guy hmm. that he sees take off the mask. The other thing is the music, the song hey. at Jabba's palace. Oh. It literally Ugh. ruins the best set piece in the entire series. Series. Yeah, it's like the third movie is the least good, but it has the best set piece. Like the opening of that movie yeah. is incredible. Like it's the reason why. Like, it's my favorite set piece, the opening Jabba the Hutt Palace and the the barges, that whole part. I agree. That's my favorite set piece of the entire series. I agree completely. But because they add this music thing. With like the crummy CGI alien. Yeah, it just ruins it. And it's yeah. just like, ugh. Well, if you want to bootleg my bootleg, you can. <laughs> Come at us, Disney. Anyway, uh, let's, Star let's, Wars is good. And just so everyone knows, it's four, five, eight, yeah, Rogue One, mm-hmm. seven, six, three, two, one, Solo, Solo, nine. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that that's a terrible uh, ranking by any means, Matthew. I can't stand fucking nine. Nobody can. It was. There's some people that do. Really? There's some people that like it. That's wild. 
I don't know if I'll ever watch it. Shane, never seen it, so I don't know. I would suggest that that's the main reason I would suggest that you just watch the original three because nine is so bad that like you don't even need to bother with the ones before. Well, the reason nine's bad is because. No, I'm not not gonna just spoil it. It's literally they watched eight and went, nah. Yeah. Even though eight is like a master fucking piece. I don't feel the same way, but I I don't begrudge people for feeling that way and I understand where they're coming from. But, you know, we've got some ECW to talk about. Let's find out if crossing the line is a masterpiece. (laughs) I mean, anything's a masterpiece after last week. Mm. So we get the ECW title card with date, location, and title. Before we see Paul Heyman and the entire ECW locker room in the ring. Well, I guess some of them are up in the eagle's nest. Yeah, yeah. The I think face, faces, the faces are in the ring. The heels are up in the eagle's, eagles nest, nest, which is a nice touch. It would have been a bad look for everybody standing there. Yeah, side by side. Mm-hmm. Yep, and which I appreciate. Making the announcement about a show on April thirteenth, where he names the main event <sighs> of Taz versus Sabu. It's been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Paul says the show won't only be seen by the ECW arena. It will be shown to the whole fucking world on pay-per-view before thanking all the fans for their backing when the pay-per-view companies didn't want to carry them. I know. I mean, last week he said backsides inside of ass. They don't want... If, uh, if, if, if WCW has an issue cursing on pay-per-view, what the fuck is ECW going to do? And then we see a video package announcement of the very first ECW pay-per-view with highlights of Taz and Sabu, followed by Joey Styles telling us that the name of the show will be Barely Legal. hey All right, that explains a whole lot, because I was trying to figure out when that little intro or video package thing was going on, like, ECW got... An actual video intro now, awesome. But then it went for like five minutes, and yeah. it's like, what the fuck? They're really trying to pump this pay per view, <laughs> man. It's a big deal. We then go to our first match: Lance Storm, Hey-o. versus Balls Mahoney. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Lance Storm might have a silly haircut, but yeah, he, he doesn't does. look like shit. No, like Balls Mahoney. I didn't have to like see his shit. face. He stood there in the ring with his back to me, and I thought for a second. That's Lance Storm. Didn't see his face. I saw the weird hair, and I didn't remember the weird tail, but yeah, yeah. I didn't really get introduced to Lance Storm until he was in WCW. So It's a pretty funny haircut, because it's like a flat top, and then they shaved the back Just of his head, but then kept like a, I mean, a, was, a rat tail, the bottom half of a mullet, essentially. It was kind of a thing at one point. I guess. So last time we saw Balls was as Santa Claus. Uh-huh. At In Your House 5, Seasons Beatings, episode 176, while this is Storm's ECW debut. And Santa also Claus. His WHX debut. Hey, Lance. I know he's one of your guys, and I've never seen a lot of Lance Storm, so I'm excited to take this ride with uh, all of you, including Lance Storm. That's right. And Lance... We know you're going to be listening because we're going to tag you in this post when you know the episode is airing. But give us a shout out, man. You can, tag him. You can tag him all you'd like. I don't know if he's going to listen. Jay. I don't know. It's possible. He tweets. He talks sometimes. He tweets. I I got a. I think all wrestlers tweet. I got a like and a laugh from oh. from Al Snow at one point. So there you go. 
work our way up to old Lance Storm. Over here at WHX, we're real star <laughs> So the match begins, and we're back and forth to begin with Lance hitting a pair of clotheslines and a spinning heel kick. But Mahoney fires back with a clothesline of his own before trying for a spinning heel kick, only for Storm to sidestep, sending balls to the floor. Balls everywhere. Lance with a slingshot somersault senton out onto Mahoney before rolling him in, where Storm climbs up top for a flying clothesline for a two count. Lance goes up top again, but Balls catches him in the gut on the way down, allowing Mahoney to take control with an uppercut and a leg drop for a near fall. And Balls continues with a T-bone suplex and a pump splash for a two count. He whips Storm to a corner, only for Lance to leap up and backwards with a springboard back elbow, followed by a leaping shoulder block for a near fall. A handspring clothesline into a corner, before a missile drop kick gets a two count by Storm. I thought that the handspring clothesline was like nice for you to try something different, but it would just would have looked better if you did a handspring back elbow. But, you know, he's trying something different. I appreciated him trying something different. It's just not as crispy. But Mahoney retaliates with a low blow and a pile driver, followed by heading up top for an elbow drop. But Lance moves in time and comes off the top turnbuckle with a spinning heel kick for the pin and, and the win. Nice little showing from, showing from Lance Storm on a debut. Paul's Mahoney. Why would you pick a name like that? Because Paul Heyman thought it was funny. I mean, you got Big Dick Dudley. You may as well have balls he, to go with it. Because he said he had big balls for doing something. Because he got fired from... I, I, I said this story before. Balls Mahoney got fired from WWF because mm-hmm. he basically confronted Vince about something. And Paul Heyman thought it, it was like, ah, yeah, some big balls for doing that. And so he got the name Balls Mahoney. Yeah. That's right. Still a bad name. I agree. Okay. <laughs> but we'll get to say balls and Mahoney for a couple of years. Quite a while. Yeah. We then go to our second match Ricky Morton <sighs> with his girlfriend, Austin. Versus Big Stevie Cool with the BWO of Hollywood Nova, 7-Eleven, and the Blue Guy. I'm not going to lie. I was not. I mean, I know we had a Rock and Roll Express teaser a few weeks back, but I wasn't expecting to see either of them show up. I was not either. (laughs) And the last time we saw Morton was actually at the NWA Smoky Mountain Wrestling World Heavyweight Title Tournament. Episode 135. Oh, wow. I guess... So it's been over 100 episodes. Damn. Damn. Yeah, I guess we've seen Rock and Roll did a small ECW stint, but... Or Midnight, not the Rock and Roll. Yeah. Midnight did a small ECW stint, but uh, here's Ricky Morton. Austin looks like she would have uh, been a perfect fit for <laughs> the Miss NWO competition last week. Yeah. Pro- she probably would have won the whole thing. She at least did her hair. And showed her ass. Mm-hmm. And the crowd starts chanting, Show your tits! Show your tits! Ah, the oh-so-respectful ECW crowd. And Mimi obliges to the crowd's delight. I mean, so funny. If at first you don't succeed, bring your girlfriend in that can get you a reaction. I mean, also, <laughs> here is the prime example of a good fat joke. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's crass and stupid, but... It's a fat joke. Of course it's crass and stupid, but this one's funny. Making out with the chubby girl and then putting on our toilet throne, 
isn't funny. Nope. The blue meanie showing his tits when they wanted to see somebody else's tits is like Hilarious. standard, like second grade. A second grader understands the humor there. Mm-hmm. It's not a reach. It's just funny. So Ricky's laying it in with right hands and a whip to a corner, but misses a clothesline, allowing Richards to nail a right hand of his own. And they run the ropes with Stevie nailing a leaping clothesline for a two count. But then Morton pulls Richards through the ropes to the floor, attempting to run Big Stevie Cool into a ring post, only to be blocked with the blue guy attacking from behind to ram Ricky's head into the post. Posted. I couldn't get behind it. It was Ricky Morton. I don't want to see that. <laughs> Back in the ring, Stevie delivers the Emerald City Slam and a hip toss before going for a cross arm breaker. But Morton escapes by stomping on Richard's face. I mean, the crowd, BWO is over. We like Stevie Richards. I mean, big Stevie Cool. I just I hate to see Ricky Morton. Jobber to the stars. Jobber to... We can't call them stars. That's like the quote-unquote stars. <laughs> yeah. I do like the, the fact that... Stars? I mean, yeah, I love, I love Stevie Richards. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm just saying. I, I, I love the fact that the BWO is getting more of a reaction from the crowd in this one Match. snippet than NWO got in their entire show last week. In the three-hour pay-per-view. Hmm. Ricky's whip is reversed, but when Big Stevie Cool goes for a clothesline, Morton drops down with a low blow. And the two begin trading strikes with Stevie in control for a 10 count of mounted punches in the corner. But an atomic drop slows the momentum. Well, I have to point this out. Some Another thing that rubbed me the wrong way is he get, mounts him for the punches. He gets seven in, and then he starts humping the face of Ricky Morton, mm-hmm. which really made my blood boil. <laughs> Ricky telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Richards to deliver a jackknife powerbomb for a near fall, followed by tuning up the band for the Stevie kick, for the pin, and, and the, the win. win. And the crowd loves it. The BWO is very over. You didn't have to hump Ricky Morton's face. Post-match, Austin is upset with her boyfriend, so she accepts a BWO shirt and puts it on like a thong. And expects him not to notice it when she has nothing else covering her ass. Assless chaps, baby. Yep. We then go to our third match. Axel Rotten versus Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Shane's favorite. That's right. But there is a Dr. Death chant. The pride of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Not from anywhere in Oklahoma, just Oklahoma. Yeah. The, the famed... I mean, you can't... It's hard to bring up Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and not bring up the brawl for all... Hasn't happened yet, though. I know, but <laughs> what a way to go out. He's uh, he's cooking up to it right now. Uh-huh. So the two men are trading fists when Rotten nails a headbutt, a whip to the corner, and chokes on the ropes, followed by a clothesline for a two-count. Dr. Death fires back with a turnbuckle smash, a three-point stance, and an Oklahoma stampede for a near fall. Should have not done that three-point stance, because fans just start doing... Oh! He follows that up with a backdrop driver for the pin. And, and the win. win. Thanks for coming, Axel Rotten. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, you might not be a Dr. Death fan. I can't say I'm a Dr. Death super fan. But we can all agree that we've seen enough Axel Rotten in our lives. 
Yeah. Enough to know that we don't need, need it. We yeah. need to see. Are we they, missing? Are we missing some Ian? No, God no. <laughs> I'm just enough Axel Rotten for this match to be, you know, the right amount. Yep. Post match, Joey Styles is in the ring with Williams, and he says he wants a title shot, which brings out Raven, who responds, "If he wants the belt, he's gonna have to take it." And the two men begin brawling with Joey running for his life when Todd Gordon gets on the mic to make this our fourth, fourth match. match. Dr. Death Steve Williams versus Raven for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Ding, ding, ding. Raven throws Doc into the ring post face first. Posted. Before smashing a chair over him multiple times. With Joey telling us that Dr. Death is the most dominant North American wrestler of the last decade. In all Japan history. Because he hasn't been pinned on U.S. soil. I mean, mm. it's because he's been in Japan most of the time. Yeah. And when he wasn't, he was teaming with old Bam Bam in WCW. And I'm guessing Bam Bam took the pin? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Though I did look back and he did get pinned on some house shows. Yeah, working in between. Different things. Oh, yeah. One of those things like, oh, yeah, I can lose here. No, Japan's not going to see this. But, I mean, you build Dr. Death up. Why not? Yeah. Makes it look impressive for mm-hmm. Raven's... Impromptu heavyweight match. Yeah. Raven sets Williams on a table and climbs to the top turnbuckle for a leg drop. But Dr. Death moves in time, sending Raven through it. And Dr. Death is busted open at this point. Williams now grabs a chair to use, leaving both men busted open before tossing Raven into the broken table. And they return to the ring where Dr. Death with more right hands before nailing a power slam for the pin. And no, Raven kicks out. Williams with a series of short arm clotheslines when Raven would duck one and look to be out of trouble, only for Doc to throw him halfway across the ring with a released German for a near fall. And Raven staggers around, completely lost, while Williams climbs to the top for a flying shoulder block that gets a two count. Doc goes up again, but Raven meets him there this time with haymakers, before climbing up to deliver a superplex, raising to his feet for his pose, only to pass out. Hey, he's selling for the big guy. Blue world, blue world, blue world order. They make their way out, complete with Tyler and Lori Fullington in tow. <laughs> Get them out of here. Why won't they leave? With Big Stevie Cool getting in the ring, causing Raven to ask him, what, what's going on? Which, I guess he didn't like the answer, as he shoves Richards, and the two of them start brawling, allowing Williams to recover to Nella clothesline, causing Stevie and Raven to bump heads to knock them both out. Doc then gorilla press slams Raven atop the rest of the BWO out on the floor, before Big Stevie Cool offers his shirt to Williams. But Doc tears it apart. So Richards hits the Stevie kick, but Williams no-sells it. He again gets hit with a second one, which yields the same results, with Doc just telling him to bring it on. Another Stevie kick, but this one's caught, spinning Richards around for a clothesline that's ducked, followed by Big Stevie Cool hitting that third Stevie kick, knocking Williams out, allowing Raven to run in, deliver the even flow DDT for the pin, 
and the wind. I kind of Raven Stevie Richards feud. Anybody? I mean, I'll take it. So um, I'd love to see it. Uh, I didn't dislike this match as I ex- much as I expected to. No, I mean, uh, Raven took the bumps. It still keeps Dr. Death strong. Not that anybody in this ring, in this, like, in the 2300 arena cares, but Dr. Death cares, and that's it's nice to know that he cares. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, by no means terrible. Mm-mm. I mean, with two people that I usually roll my eyes and ugh about when I see them headed to the ring because... Raven had gotten super fucking boring yes. the last yes, handful yes, of yes. months until he went on his break. And basically just held the belt with an injury uh-huh. and didn't do much for a year. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to care anything about this match, and I sat there and watched the whole thing was actually into it. Yeah. So, nicely done, fellas. I just thought of something really funny. If Maybe it's Supernova, the tequila talking. If Supernova wasn't the camera guy. Supernova's not the camera guy. No, oh, no. He's who's, Hollywood. Who's 7-Eleven? Rob Feinstein. Rob Feinstein. They should have waited, or they should have done this earlier. But Lori and the child joining the BWO and the child being Seven Eleven <laughs> would have been fucking funny. Put a little That's wig all. on him. That's it. It's yeah. just a, him holding the camera to make fun of Six. It would be incredibly funny. <laughs> kid. The, the, I, think the kid. Should, I think he actually should pose and be the buff. Oh, there you go. That's good, too. But he's better than the B team. <laughs> he's Tyler Fullington. So we go to our fifth match, Devon Dudley versus the Sandman. And the beginning of this match is Budweiser, Chug, Smash, Smoke, Budweiser, Smoke, Stare, Smoke, Play to the Crowd, Chug, Smash, Spit. But Devon grows tired of this seven-year-long entrance, <laughs> so he jumps off the apron to attack, using the kendo stick several times, which leaves the Sandman bloody. Sandman and his new yellow hair. Dudley continues with fists and tossing the Sandman into the railing until the Sandman decides to kick a field goal and run Devon into the guardrail as well. An aluminum can to the head, a clothesline, and a not-so-rubber band slam across the railing before the Sandman leaps off the apron with a leg drop to the back of Dudley's head. The leg slop. Sandman then drags Devon back to where a table set up, only to suplex it into the ring post where it falls onto Dudley, followed by trying it again, only to do the same thing. <laughs> he's got vertigo, or he's just not a very good wrestler. They finally enter the ring with a Sandman picking up his cane to use, splitting it the stick in half before nailing a DDT. Sandman then grabs a chair and drapes it across Devon's head, followed by a top rope leg drop for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Post-match, Joel Gertner enters the ring to make the announcement of Dudley as the winner by a final score of 4-2. to two. <laughs> So Sandman knocks Joel out with a cane shot. That was a wicked shot, too. It was gnarly. Also, another, like, yes, it's stupid, but it is funny. Yeah. Eric mm-hmm. Bischoff has no clue. He has the maybe the worst sense of humor I've ever been exposed to. Yeah. That's because Eric Bischoff wants to be and thinks he is the star of the show, whereas Gertner just gets out there and just hams it up. Yeah. Doesn't take himself seriously, doesn't really even make eye contact with the camera. 
he just goes out there, does what he's supposed to do, does what he's supposed to do, takes a shot to the back of the head with a kendo stick, which Eric would never do, and the crowd loves it. Yeah, and Joel Gertner, even the but... crowd twenty-seven years later loves it. Yeah, absolutely. Devon's back to his feet and he steals the kendo stick away, and starts beating down the Sandman. When Spike and Bubba Ray Dudley run down to the ring with chair in hand. But Bubba smashes the chair across Sandman's face. Oh my god. With Spike not understanding what just happened. Mm-hmm. Devon and Bubba Ray are smiling at each other. Mm-hmm. So Spike attacks his brothers, drop kicking the chair into the face of Bubba, but the numbers advantage get to him allowing the Dudley brothers to deliver a double Bubba Cutter, a.k.a. the first Dudley Death Drop, a.k.a. the The 3D. 3D. And it looked fucking awesome. I mean, mean, especially with it being on Spike because of the size difference there, but he looked like he was literally snapped in half as he came down on Bubba. We've established this. Spike is... Sam Houston ECW. He bumps (laughs) like a motherfucker. Oh, yeah. The Dudleys then return their attention to Sandman with more chair and cane shots. When the music hits, the X's go up and the trash cans go flying as the gangsters arrive to clean house. Saeed using a kitchen sink on Bubba Ray. Oh, is that what that was? While New Jack is using a crutch on Devon. New Jack then sets up a chair in the middle of the ring, followed by Mustafa hitting a clothesline to Bubba, who falls over into the chair face first. Jack sets the chair up again, this time to backdrop Devon head first into the steel. Yeesh. Bubba Ray is recovered to splash New Jack in a corner, followed by using the kendo stick, chairs, and other plunder to gain control of this fight and stand tall in the ring. And this is where I have to say it, because I mean it. Hmm. The best thing that the gangsters ever did was the Smoky Mountain promo. Mm-hmm. I've just... I haven't cared in so long. I think that New Jack is wonderful personality and that that promo is fucking genius. But here, the trash gimmick. We've talked about it a bunch. It's just really ran its course. Have this man cut some promos because it's truly the best thing he ever did was shit on a bunch of hillbillies. So before we move on, I, because Sandman was, if, if you remember, Sandman was in this segment yeah. you know, at some mm-hmm. point. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found this description of Sandman on the internet written by Chris Father Gil Brown, because I want to credit this, yeah, credit him because this is pretty this great is stuff. Pretty great. All right, I'm ready to hear. Sandman stares on, looking completely lifeless following the loss of his family, and doesn't seem to particularly care that he won. The Sandman is probably one of the most tragic characters in wrestling history (laughs) because clearly feeds off of and lives for the adulation of a group of fans who only love him because he's a violent, miserable drunk. But once that bell rings, he returns to his broken home where you know his fridge is stocked with about 400 cans of beer and a half-empty squeeze bottle of mustard. He'll eventually pass out in his armchair to the quiet flicker of late-night infomercials from spirit-healing priests just begging you to send them money in exchange for miracle spring water. 
before he wakes up in a fog and returns to do it all again tomorrow. He's the wrestling embodiment of an award-winning short film director who once said, Don't cry for me. I'm already dead. Jesus. Woo! Ah, that made me well up a little bit in how tragic it is. But, I mean, yeah. They're, they're pulling the, you know, like staring at a, a magic eye. And I'm finally getting it. But the magic eye here is made out of... Uh, Blood and Budweiser. It's a sailboat. (laughs) (laughs) A schooner is a sailboat. Uh, Yeah, poor, I mean, that is an angle that they probably should play up more, but it's a bigger bummer because it's just true. Who is this Chris Fothergill Brown? I think he does some... I like your words, Chris. He does some reviews of wrestling shows on the internet wonderful that is the most like sympathetic and upsetting take of the sandman and it's yeah so true that it like legitimately pulled some uh, upsetting emotions out of me as you said it see like as you were reading it that's kind of i was picturing like this indie movie playing out in my head right. where you know somewhat the wrestler just a little darker yeah wrestler uh, great movie not really uplifting <laughs> i mean that scene where he just sticks his hand in the meat slicer whew, that'll uh yeah that'll get your anxiety up but we head off to our sixth match sabu and rob van dam yeah. versus the eliminators of perry saturn and john cronus for the ecw world tag team championships I noticed this. There's a few boos for Sabu as he comes out. Fans are getting behind. Some fans are getting behind Taz. Mm-hmm. It's not all boos, but there are some yeah. noticeable boos for Sabu. I mean, if you're there every week, eventually the crowd's gonna love you. Mm-hmm. And, and Taz and, has done just that. Yeah, and exactly the to that same point. It sounds like most fans are behind the Eliminators at this point. At least what came across on my speakers. Everybody loves a bad guy. So Perry, with his newly shaved head, starts it off with RVD, who hits a spin kick, only for Saturn to fire back with a drop kick. John tags in, but he's taken down by a series of kicks from RVD, followed by a body slam, who then teams up with Sabu for a double slingshot splash, before the homicidal one nails a springboard drop kick for a two count. Cronus with a spinning heel kick and a pump handle suplex for a near fall. But Sabu comes back with a springboard back elbow before tagging Van Dam back in to take control with some kicks. Only for John to rake the eyes to change the momentum. Perry comes in for the Eliminators to hit stereo spinning heel kicks for a two count. Followed by a drop kick to the Homicida one on the apron and a clothesline to RVD for a near fall. Eliminators are fired up, man. Mm Mm-hmm. Van Dam with a shot to the gut of Saturn, followed by a double underhook front suplex before Sabu leaps in with a slingshot leg drop, holding Perry in a camel clutch for RVD to hit a baseball slide drop kick to the face. Van Dam then locks Saturn in a Romero special, with the homicidal one jumping off the top rope with an elbow to Perry's ribs. RVD then makes the cover, only for Cronus to barely make the save. 
followed by suplexing Van Dam, but it's enough to allow Saturn to recover and deliver a drop kick to RVD as well. And RVD is is over. Eliminators are over. I mean, everybody in this match is over, but uh, yeah, we're getting Robbie chance from, you know, he does that basement drop kick and he pops up and just bows to the crowd oh, yeah. and just get Robbie chance. And looking at nice. RVD in this match, he looks like the RVD of today. I mean, a little slimmer, obviously, a little younger, but he's getting more polished you know, from a distance. He's got the, the full gear going. He's got the, the moveset that I'm used to. Yeah, it's coming together. It's great. He's he's really found his footing. Van Dam makes it to the corner for a tag after taking down Perry. The homicidal one leaping in with a slingshot leg drop. But Saturn retaliates with a Saturn bomb for a two count. That is broken up by RVD. So John jumps back in to kick Van Dam out of the ring. And they all start brawling around ringside when Perry would hit a cutter on Sabu. Before heading to the floor to team up with Cronus. Only to be tossed into the front row by RVD. The homicidal one then triple jumps out onto Saturn. ECW. Before returning to the ring where Sabu throws a chair at Perry, but he fires out of the corner with a clothesline, taking on both of his opponents until the homicidal one applies a single leg crab with Van Dam leaping off the top with a leg drop for a near fall. Now after body slam, RVD nails rolling thunder, while Sabu comes in with a slingshot leg drop for a two count. But Saturn is able to tag out after a hook kick, allowing Cronus to leap in with a drop kick and a top rope splash, which the homicidal one breaks up the pin, only for Perry to then come flying in with a splash as well that gets a near fall. Van Dam with a shot to the gut that allows the challengers to hit a top rope splash leg drop combo that gets a two count. Robbie, Robbie. Cronus fights back to attempt a DDT. Sabu reverses it into a hammerlock that Saturn breaks up, allowing John to nail it in Seguri, followed by a parry leaping leg drop for a near fall. Another in sets up a super kick by Saturn for a two count, followed by a second rope corkscrew senton splash by John, but he's then back body dropped over the ropes to the floor by the homicidal one. Now Van Dam and Saturn start fighting in the ring while Sabu sets up a table, placing Cronus on it before returning to the ring to attempt a triple jump leg drop, only for Perry to be too close and able to trip up the homicidal one, knocking him off the ropes. John has crawled off the table, so RVD leaps over the ropes with a slingshot plancha onto him, while Sabu hits a springboard leg lariat onto Saturn. And the challengers bring the table into the ring, getting it set up and placing Cronus on it. While the homicidal one climbs to the top, but parries back up with a back body drop of Van Dam out of the ring, followed by pushing Sabu out to the floor as well. Saturn then flies out with a slingshot plancha onto the homicidal one, while RVD and John brawl inside the ring. Perry grabs a painter's ladder which they're only about three or four rungs high. They're Shorter, not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, much shorter. Climbing up it in the middle of the ring, while Cronus holds Van Dam, only for Sabu to fly off the ropes with a drop kick to send the Eliminators into each other. Damn. The challengers use the ladder for a double clothesline, double leg drops, and double slingshot somersault leg drops, 
followed by both men making a cover for the pin. And no, everybody kicks out. The challengers then each climb a side of the ladder. But this gives the champs time to make it to their feet for a total elimination to send everyone crashing down to the mat. Yeah, they totally eliminated the ladder. Yes. Pretty wild. <laughs> Saturn now sets the ladder up on the table, making his way up, only for RVD to kick him, before nailing him with a Van Daminator, making the cover for the pin, and no! Cronus makes the save. Sabu then hits a triple jump moonsault onto John, tosses Perry out of the ring, leaving Cronus alone as RVD delivers a moonsault onto him as well, followed by another triple jump moonsault that sees Saturn shove Van Dam in the way to receive the blow. Oh, no. The champs get RVD to his feet so they can deliver total elimination for the pin and, and the win. win. Post-match, the eliminators clear the ring of the table, before nailing the homicidal one with total elimination as well. But Van Damme's back up to knock them out of the ring with chair shots. Taz is then in the ring with chair shots to RVD, locking on the Taz mission, while the Eliminators hold Sabu, forcing him to watch. This is you! The human suplex machine lets go of Van Damme and grabs a chair again. He looks to hit the homicidal one, but drops it, and just spits in Sabu's face. Yeesh. The homicidal one is then taken down with total elimination once again, with Taz taking a mic to say, I don't need a weapon, and I don't need the tag team champions to hold you. All I need is for you to grow a pair of balls and show up at the pay-per-view. I mean, it's a way to sell, sell that match, especially after... Pretty great ECW tag match. Yeah, that was one of the better tag matches I'd seen in a while. Yeah. And, I mean, there was lots of close calls, lots of, are they going to win, are they going to lose? Are yeah. they going to win, are they going to lose? Huge spots. It's kind. Of, it's a whole lot of everything. Yeah. And then Not Sabu is the one that gets total eliminated, technically, three times, if you count the latter one. Yeah. And then Taz out there to set up the big angle. Pretty good stuff. So we head to our seventh match. Tommy Rich. Versus Terry Funk. Wildfire. So the last time we saw Rich was at Starcade 1991, episode 64. Damn. That was a, like, Legends Starcade, I believe. I think it was actually no, a you're right. Battle Bowl. Lucky lottery, unlucky lottery thing in Virginia. Yeah, but there was the lottery. Yeah, yeah. Lottery. lottery. <laughs> there was a, but yeah, he was on one of the, um, Behind the scenes, it's fucking late. Yeah, I'm fucking tired. It was uh, one of the, but he was yeah he was on around that same time period. He was on one of the legends shows, and he's uh gotten put on some packed on some pounds a little bit. So, the story behind this match is that Tommy had attacked Terry at a previous show, House Party 1997. Um, could never find footage of it. All so. right, I was just looking at that and like, did we watch that? And I totally forgot because no, I didn't remember uh, the name of that. This was this one <laughs> took place in uh, somebody an, an ECW fan that had enough money to own a house. Oh, I'm kidding. That's just a joke. <laughs> 
So the crowd's yelling, you fat fuck, at Tommy. Good. So he goes out into the crowd to jaw with him, only for Terry to follow out and bust him open with left hands and a chair held by a fan. It is uh, really nice. There's huge cheers for Terry Funk, as there should be, but you can see him almost well up a little bit at the appreciation. Back in the ring, Funk continues the punishment before tossing Rich out to the floor, where Terry's whipped to the railing, with Tommy charging in after a knee, only for Funk to have moved. Fuck him up, Terry. Terry grabs a chair and slams it across the leg a dozen times or so, leaving Tommy to hobble around on one leg. And they head inside, where Funk takes a seat on the chair and starts to lecture Rich about respect, while slapping him over and over. Terry tosses the chair out and he goes back to work with the left hands until Tommy fires up with punches of his own, sending him to the floor to run Funk into a table and the ring post face first, followed by dropping him into the front row. Rich hits a pair of chair shots while heading back into the ring, where Tommy climbs to the top, only for Tommy to work a single leg crab after Funk gets caught up. Rich with several clotheslines, nails multiple DDTs that only get two counts. So Tommy DDTs the ref a couple times as well. And Terry rolls out of the ring, right onto a table that was set up at ringside. For Rich just grabs a chair to drive into Funk's knee and gives himself a standing ovation. And Terry starts throwing desperation windmill punches. So Tommy takes him back down by sweeping the leg. And locking on the spinning toe hold. Which I want to mention, it was on the opposite leg that he had been hitting mm-hmm. with the chair. Yeah. Trying to take out both legs. That's that's former world champion right there. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's doing Steiner <laughs> Funk escapes with left hands before dropping a knee to fan the flames. And applying the spinning toe hold for the submission. And, and the, the win. win. Post-match, the two continue to brawl, only for Terry to kick a field goal once more. It's good! I love that there's a spot with uh, Tommy Rich hitting a bunch of headbutts, and then Terry returns with a headbutt, and then they both flop to the floor. It's a nice, uh, real nice moment. I will say, these guys might be old, but... The chemistry and psychology is on point. Yep. You know, these guys, you know, Tommy Rich might not be anybody's favorite wrestler, but he's, he knows the business and, and came up in it before the, watch, the cable mess. Watching this match the way I did, because my copy of it, there was something up with the sound, so it had no sound to it. And I mean, the match still held up. I, I was never a huge Tommy fan but i Understand. i didn't know for sure that's who it was because i couldn't hear the announcements and they didn't show his name on the screen it would but... be harder to tell because he like i said he's put on oh yeah he's, he's... he's put on weight but he's he's thick he's not like it looks fat. right on him though. it does look right on him you're yeah. right it, yeah, like... he, he always looked disproportionate before when we saw him in wcw because he was getting older he had a little bit you know getting a little heavier mm-hmm. up top and still had these teeny tiny legs, and he just didn't look. Yeah, he fills out like here. this. Yeah, he filled out here where he was like skinny fat before, and now he just looks like a, an old man that'll kick your ass. So is he the heel? He was definitely okay. the heel. Yeah, 
Because, I mean, when funk is involved, it's hard to tell because funk fights like funk, so it's... Yeah, yeah. Well, he's doing the matter. It's a matter of respect. Mm. That was the that was the angle. Okay. I, yeah. I couldn't hear all that, so I don't know. Yeah. I just well, had to... him down in the chair. I had to see what was going on, and when Terry mm-hmm. makes somebody bleed, you never know if it's, you know, people are cheering. I mean, people mm-hmm. are going to cheer regardless, but... So we go to our eighth match, the triple threat of the franchise Shane Douglas, Chris Candido, and Brian Lee with Francine. Versus the Pitbulls of number one and number two, and Tommy Dreamer. Welcome back, Gary. With Beulah McGillicuddy. The last time we saw number one wrestle was at Hostel City Showdown 1996, episode 197. Feels like fucking forever. I believe yep. me, I like had to <laughs> double check my numbers like a couple times. I was just like... It really has only been that long. I was like, I mean, the neck angle, and there, yeah. we've watched so many other shows. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, there's still maybe nothing more like visceral than in all of these ECW shows than Shane Douglas shaking the like halo. Of oh yeah. Pitbull. I mean, I had said it weeks back that you know, I gave him the best performer because there's just something about the transition that he went through from being. Pitbull number one to being Gary, the guy that didn't look anything like a wrestler or one of the Pitbulls, and he's back. He's back. He looks like a Pitbull. Yeah, he looks as he should, and it just blows my mind that all it took was just some baggy clothes to make him look like he had completely shriveled up to nothing. He just looked like a guy. Just like a guy. like the incredible shrinking woman, just (laughs) three clothes. The incredible shrinking Pitbull. (laughs) But this wasn't the first time that he had wrestled his first comeback match as he had answered an open challenge versus the franchise on that House Party 97 show as well. So a couple things on that show that we weren't able to see, but, yeah. You know, that are meaningful to what we're getting into. Mm -hmm. Shane takes the mic and calls the fans imbeciles, followed by the Pitbulls and Tommy coming to the ring, where they pose for the crowd, allowing the triple threat to attack, taking the fight to the floor to use chairs and guardrails. The triple threat make their way back in to celebrate, but of course that leaves them open for an attack from behind by the Pitbulls and Dreamer, taking the fight back out to the floor. Number two winds up in the ring with Douglas, clotheslining him down, while everyone else is paired off around ringside using chairs and the railing. Break his neck! Lee makes his way back in for Pitbull 2 to work him over, until Tommy passes a bent piece of guardrail into the ring which Brian and Candido are tossed into before being dumped outside, leaving the franchise alone with his opponents as the crowd chants. Break his neck. It is like, it's just one of the sections. It's like a full section of yeah. of uh, bent steel, not just like a pole or anything. It's the, the whole thing. Dreamer whips Shane into the steel, followed by number two press slamming him onto the railing as well, causing it to fold in on itself. <laughs> The Pitbulls are working over Lee on the floor while Tommy goes after Chris in the aisleway, hitting him with a crutch while Douglas gets atomic dropped by Pitbull 2 inside the ring. Candido tosses the bent guardrail back into the ring to crotch Dreamer atop it before delivering a spike pile driver with the help of the franchise. And Shane threatens to throw the broken railing out into the crowd as Lee is beaten down the Pitbulls followed by Tommy being triple-teamed inside the ring with suplexes and chair shots. 
The triple threat then set up some chairs to suplex Dreamer through as Candido starts hanging number two in the corner with his own chain. Guys, I know your pimples, but don't wear the chain. Mm-mm. It's not dog collar mats. There's no need. <laughs> Douglas starts wearing Tommy down with an ab stretch while Chris and Brian keep the pit bulls at bay on the outside. And Pitbull 2 fights his way into the ring, only to be tossed back out, followed by Candido nailing a snap suplex and a knee drop from Lee for a two-count. And right before this, there's a fight in the crowd that kind of hijacks the show for a second. Did you catch that? I did not. Oh, yeah, no, there was like just probably just a couple of drunk ECW fans, and there's a, a fight off on the, I guess... Beulah looked at me. No, she didn't, bugger. She looked at me. Bag. Yeah, yeah I'm, sure, I'm sure there were some uh, inappropriate words used. Brian body slams Tommy before rocket launching Chris onto him, followed by Candido going for the super bomb. But Dreamer reverses into a super back body drop and hitting a DDT for a near fall. Beulah would then jump in the ring with a cookie sheet. Only for Cloudy, Nuh-uh. who we last saw at King of the Ring 96, episode 207, show up. So, Mil- so McGillicuddy smashes it across her face hard enough to knock her wig off. <laughs> and McGillicuddy jumps on her back, and they end up just going back to the locker room. While Tommy's being triple teamed again, as Lee holds him, with the franchise and Chris flying off the top ropes with drop kicks. Only for Dreamer to squirm free, causing Brian to take the blow. Damn, I should have said I'm cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Uh, that would have been, been good. But the thing is, is the cloudy spot is so <laughs> forgettable. We were praising that the ECW comedy is so much better, and then Cloudy shows up. But I mean, everybody has missteps. Yeah. The pit bulls are back in, dumping Candido out of the ring, with number one going after Shane with a chair. Only for Chris to dive back in to save Douglas. And everyone brawls their way into the ring when the triple threat hit a trio of rude awakenings and start wiggling their hips. Hmm? Voice on the PA? You have got to be shitting me. It's a masked man! A phantom, perhaps. Though yeah. we all know by that little showing that it's Rick Rude, who had also shown up at House Party 97. Motherfucker. And stated that his New Year's resolution was to fuck with the franchise. The masked man then makes his way to ringside, telling the fucking assholes that not only do they have no idea who he is, though we all do, yep. and they don't know how to do the rude awakening. He calls him punk bitch. Before telling him, look behind you assholes, where the pit bulls and Tommy attack. Dumping Lee and Candido to the floor, allowing number two to hit a press slam on Shane, followed by number one delivering a rude awakening of his own for a near fall. The masked man then grabs Francine, placing her over the top rope and begins to spank her before she's finally able to run off to safety. The masked man then helps the pit bull set up a table, rude, rude, rude. where they place Douglas on it before. Number two, Super Bombs number one, onto the franchise, for the pin, and, and the win. win. Post-match, damage control comes out, 
but they only have one stretcher. And Dreamer definitely makes sure that number one gets it. <laughs> so Lee ends up having to carry Shane to the back. While Joey says his goodbyes. And we fade to black. <clears throat> so I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of crossing the line again? It's not bad. Huh. The Dudleys are together. That's a great moment. Oh, yeah. And they come together in a wonderful fashion with the 3D and Spike just doing what Spike does best. Pitbull 1 got his fucking win, which is awesome. I don't think we needed Rude as much as I love Rick Rude. But, like, if we do have Rick Rude, the mask is pointless. He says, you don't even know who I am. Everybody knows who you are. We're, you're talking about Rude Awakenings. They just did Rude Awakenings. They just did a Rick Rude pose. It, I feel like it would have been even more impactful if Rick Rude just walks out his big handsome self. And then, you know. You, you want to you wanna know what his reasoning behind it is? I'd love to. He has insurance with Lloyds of London. London. Okay. Wonderful excuse. And he can say that Rick Rude wasn't at the show. It was a masked man. Ah. That's totally fine. I I don't want to take any money out of Rick Rude's pocket, ever. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. Uh, the man never made enough money for the great work that he did, and he got injured too soon. So, totally understand for that reason. But, if that wasn't the case, it would have been cool for him to just come out. But if he wasn't injured, he would never have been in the ECW, I don't think. No. I'd like to think that he no. wouldn't. That's crazy. Way too talented of a guy no shade to ECW but I mean Paul's just doing a, friend, uh, a favor for his friend yeah yep. and that's awesome that's cool to hear is there anything about that yeah the dangerous, <laughs> dangerous alliance, alliance connection yeah. yeah and then uh, you know Taz and Sabu will finally happen people are getting behind Taz which is exciting and Taz is doing he's doing Taz he's spitting in his face he's threatening him and we got a great tag match before that angle uh, BWO is still fun mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. at you nwo and then uh yeah no Luis mccauley bummer he was actually on the show oh okay him and mike awesome were actually the opening match <sighs> of the show well get out of here balls mahoney for some reason it didn't get put on tape i mean obviously no shade to lance storm but i'd rather see Luis mccauley and mike awesome have a match i don't know if you want to see this mike awesome He's okay. Still, he's still pretty green. Yeah. All right. On paper, I do. Yeah. I mean, I went into this one not knowing what the hell to expect, and I was pleasantly surprised by a lot of it. Angles, man. We like angles. Exactly. Angles. Storytelling. Angles. Slight payoffs. Like they're not setting things up for the future. The return of Pitbull number one. The I didn't know at the time. I didn't know it until reading the notes here that who the masked man was. That's why I just flipped to the. ECW oh, Phantom. Yes, yeah, I had no, I had no audio on my last two oh, matches, so okay. it was just somebody in a mask standing there talking. But everything was going by so quickly because it was playing at like one point five that I didn't know what was happening exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you had the audio, you would totally know. Oh yeah, because they say rude awakening. About but now I'm gonna have times. to, I'm gonna have to download it from Peacock just so I can hear. I want to hear Rick Rude cuss. He does. He <laughs> says punk bitch and ass and. <clears throat> You've got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah. yeah, and that's not beeped out on the on Peacock one either. And, yeah, I mean, unfortunate <laughs> that you cover 
that wonderful the, face. The face yeah. and the body of Rick Rude with a mask and whatever the hell he was wearing, but... He's got a great, great excuse. If if it wasn't the Lloyds of London, I would have been like, what the fuck is the point? But mm-hmm. that's that's his that's, livelihood at this point. That's my kayfabe reason in my head. I mean, if, Why he's, a mask man. if he's insured, then that I, face I mean, is protected. I mean, yeah, that Lloyds of London, like, he can't... <laughs> but probably, the, but he's reason. collecting all the money. Mm. Yeah. So they're probably like, I yeah, you that's can't, how it works with them. can't go do wrestling, you know, that kind of... Yeah, yeah, Lloyds of London was a that's, big that's thing. Just, that's the kayfabe reason. Yeah, it was, I actually don't know if that's the reason or not. But, but he did have a Lloyds of London, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, and that's that's definitely the reason. Rick Rude, nobody would accuse of being a stupid man, I don't think. Gotta protect the mug. I mean, it's a good one. I mean, we're all right there on the same page on this one. I really enjoyed this show as well. A lot of it is because the stuff happens in the ring. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, even the last match, even though there was stuff in, happening at ringside, there was always a couple people in the ring doing mm-hmm. stuff. So there was a focus point That's a good, of the ve- match. Yeah. That's a very good point. Because like, even when people went to the Florida brawl, there was always two people in the ring. So you, more. yeah. So you always had something to focus on. The stuff on the outside wasn't the focus, and yeah. these ECW brawls fall apart when there's garbage in the ring, and there's people on the floor hitting each other with garbage, and the cameras cutting back and forth, and their story is like these guys are hitting each other. One and team this, you like with two garbage teams against them. Yeah, and in this one, it's like there, there's enough story here that's been going on for a long enough time that. You know, the right people were in the ring at the right time. And then it ends with an angle, too. Yeah. Did we get our first tables, ladders, and chairs match in this show? Technically, maybe. Because, I mean, the the total elimination had all three of them involved, and all three were in the ring at well, one point. Well, we did have so... that thing where... Um, I mean, Saturn, remember. I mean Saturn, Saturn, <laughs> Saturn climbed up the ladder on, on the, the table, table. A couple, a couple shows, shows ago. Yeah. A couple, okay. yeah, yeah. Within the last handful of ECW shows, so yeah. But was so. there a chair in the ring at the same time? Do you remember? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm willing to bet. And I'm sure that a chair was used at some point oh, during yeah, the match. Yeah. But yeah, not yeah, a... I just remember looking at the ring at one point, and it's like, table, Tables, ladder, ladder, chair. Yeah. All right, cool. Here we yeah. go. Yeah, not a terrible uh, not a terrible call. <laughs> Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. Those are some of the best moments of this show. The Dudley's smile. Because <laughs> it was like finally, because it was one of these things where like I was getting stale with Bubba and a little stale with Devon. Yeah. They made the smile and the 3D was uh, christened in wonderful, devastating fashion to the best, the best bumper in all of ECW. <laughs> Anything that involved the Blue World Order on this show, I enjoyed. Even the you know interrupting Ravens match. I liked it because it dropped that little seed of Stevie and Raven, possibly. Like, everything on the show that is memorable is angle-related. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, multiple angles playing out. There's people getting revenge. There's things getting started. They're really, like, ramping up to almost everything on the show mattering. It's like, yeah, Balls Mahoney, Lance Storm. doesn't matter, but we're establishing Lance Storm. Tommy Rich Terry Funk was so much better than I expected. Mm-hmm. The Doctor Death and Raven, that one surprised me too because I actually enjoyed a match with both of them. That I mean, literally, I... what's the worst match on the show? The first one, I guess. Nikon. 
Don't, don't dare, you throw Lance I mean, in there. Don't you dare. I mean, it's probably Matt's act, gonna say it's Axel Rotten. It's Axel to Dr. Death, but <laughs> yeah. it's literally a minute and a half. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. really count. It just kind of sets up this... It just sets up the next angle, which we agree was good. And one of the reasons it was good was because Raven was finally bumping for somebody. I'm going to go ahead and throw... It wasn't a, actually a part of the show, but just that whole Chris Father Real Brown, or however the hell you say his name, that quote that he has... Oh yeah, I was, I was like, that too. I was like, that's, I love that. I'm like, I, I could read, feel. I read, I read it, and I was just like, "Where'd you come across that?" It was one of the recaps that of the show. That oh, just when you were doing research. When I was doing research, yeah, and wonderful. Yeah, the guy has, you know, he really painted a picture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely beautiful. Literally, I feel like you guys have. I mean, yeah, it does, all your stuff. We, we talk about it all the time, but like bad, I mean, bad I literally, shows. I literally was gonna be like. Uh, Lance Storm, guys. Yeah, Lance Storm was great. Yep. It would be nice if he had a more mobile. He's my surprise because I wasn't expecting him here yet. No, but my, what was funny was when uh, Lance Storm came out, I was uh, excited for uh, myself, but I was mostly excited for Matt because I know Matt's a Lance Storm guy. And that's why one of the reasons that I was excited because I'm not f- very familiar with Lance Storm. So that means that I will probably be more familiar with him. Oh, yeah. You the know, return, after this point. Return of Gary, Pitbull number one. Absolutely. I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't know when it was going to happen. And he, the surprise of it just added to the moment. It was a great return. I would, yeah, I guess we would get to disappointing in a moment. But this is, a, I don't know if it's required watching. But it's, it's, it's but a it is, pleasure to watch. But it's a pleasure to watch. And, like, these are the kinds of things that have to happen for the things that matter, the things that people are like, you should I mean, see this. I would say to the exist. only reason to pro- that you probably would need to watch the show is just for the first Deadly Death Drop. That's probably the biggest moment of yeah. the show. It, looking back on it, as a whole, but if you're whole, if you're like us freaks going through this shit, it's shows like this that get us excited for. The, the, next bi- the next ECW show. I think this is a really good setup for this pay per view that they're that they t- they took six minutes to push this pay per view at the beginning of the show for good reason because it's a big deal. It's yeah. a really big deal for this fucking bingo hall to have a pay per view show and their big match being Taz and Sabu. It's been dragged for so long mm-hmm. and you know to the point where. People are people were booing the shit out of Taz for so long, and we're, Taz is getting cheers now, and Sabu is getting a few boos. And in the match with the Eliminators and RVD and Sabu, everybody got cheered. Nobody got any boos except for Sabu, which is crazy coming from this room. Yeah. And they may uh, have just been chanting his name for all you know. Boo <laughs> Sabu. Yeah, the uh, but yeah, like yeah, Robbie's getting chants course people are way behind the eliminators because they're big mean boys that do big wild shit yep how about most disappointing cloudy unnecessary yeah completely unnecessary cloudy and the disrespect to ricky morton as much as i love stevie richards the face hump the disrespect beforehand fine he's just coming in to get paid a little bit but the humping his face in the corner Really fucking twisted my taint. Really? I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. You don't do that to Ricky Morton. 
But he did, and it's okay. I mean, his girlfriend probably did. <laughs> hey, yep. that's okay. That's mutual. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember watching that part, and like, I think it was on number nine or number ten. That's when Morton's hands go up and like grab Ricky or Ricky yeah, no, Stevie's yeah. waist I counted, to like it was stop. Like, it was like seven, <laughs> yeah. But he was like, yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like I've yeah, I've had enough. Right. I'll play the game. I'm playing the game, but maybe something was swinging from those Davy, Daisy Dukes or something. Who knows? But. Let's I mean, Stevie Richards see. has the confidence of a well-hung man. Mm-hmm. Disappointing. I'm going to say the gangsta's coming out. Yep. Yeah. For the sheer fact that literally the Dudley brothers just got together, so the the gangsters are going to go, oh, well, this new brand new tag team, yeah, we need to go beat them. To, like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, yeah, they somewhat have issues with them at one point. I can't remember. They're not inner. Have they not intertwined? Okay. Inter- yeah. It's just like, I'm trying to remember. Maybe I mean, I'm just confusing Devon from when he first. Obviously, it's up that they're, that's their feud. That's the barely yeah. legal match, like, right? Maybe but, I'm just remembering when Devon started and he was out just there like, just it's like, cussing up a storm on the... I was... For some reason, I thought that New Jack was out there at some Devon point. Devon might have like had a match would, with, like, him and um, Rotten or whatever. Okay. And like the it gangsters. literally would have made more sense to... Like the gangsters to have a match on the show, and then the Dudleys come out and interfere. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And that sets up the feud instead of the gangsters coming out. Yeah, yeah. But it's just it, it's it's a small, tiny thing. It's yeah, a it's it's very uh, like the wrestling brain where it's like, oh yeah, well we need the gangsters and uh, this new tag team that we're obviously going to push because look at the three D and we've been having this brother issue for so long. It's like, okay, well, who are they going to fight? Who are they going to feud with first? Not the Eliminators. Yeah, we're not putting gonna... them... not sending them all the way to the top. No, yeah, they got to they gotta get there first, and they're going to do it through uh, the kitchen sink. I'm also a little disappointed I couldn't find House Party 97. I'm kind of curious about yeah, that after show all the after all the little tidbits, tidbits that like did happen. I'm not going to say that it was it, it was a great show by any means, but yeah. like these little tidbits are the, are the stuff that... Like adds to adds to. Yeah. It would have been nice if like House Party '97 or whatever like was cut up and chopped up into a episode of Hardcore TV. I mean, that we it covered. probably was, but yeah, I'm not gonna have us watch a couple episodes of House of Hardcore TV just, just to, to get like the three angles. Yeah. yeah, and you you know you did the research and brought in the information. Assume House Party '97 was not as good as this show. It's my guess. Just a wild, I mean, just a wild guess. Someone doesn't want to put the video out there. Then. Either it's not that great, or it's so good that they're just keeping it for themselves yeah. because they're greedy bastards. Yeah, because wrestling fans are so good at keeping things to themselves. Sometimes <laughs> are they? Okay. How about best performer of the night? Ooh, that's a tough one. Honestly, a lot of good performers. And the thing with the last match is that there's so many people in it that I can't be like. Oh, Shane Douglas, because Shane Douglas is so good all the time, but it's not the Shane Douglas show or anything. I... I mean, the answer's obvious. It's Lance Storm. <laughs> I'm not mad at Lance Storm. Lance Storm's rat tail. Uh, yeah. I would give a big props to... I'd literally forgotten about the rat tail. I saw it and I was just like... That's, that's, a, that's a choice. I'd give big props to Tommy Rich, a guy that we haven't seen a bunch from. So I was from. thinking him, too. And I think that uh, not only did the weight he put on look good, but he had a hearty match as a heel with Terry Funk. If he had attacked the right leg, 
I would have. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even catch it when I was watching, so like, I guess I'm a bad wrestling fan. I mean, I only, normally I would know I stuff like that just for the sheer fact that like. Yeah. But uh, Tommy Rich, he goes out there, he takes the blade early, he heals it up. Uh, there's a moment in the crowd where a fan like tries to like give Tommy Rich a chair or something after this crowd's been calling him a fat fuck the whole match or whatever. He just like obviously is annoyed and sh- shrugs him off or whatever. <laughs> and it's like a very human moment where he's like, where it works for what he's doing in this match, but also like, get the fuck off of me i'm working uh it works to both both reality and the work also raven for taking bumps from dr death or maybe dr death for uh, eating some super kicks and ddt and yeah and looking strong it's like this is what we want out of this guy is for him to release german people and eat super kicks and be the impervious man and see i want to i mean i'm torn between Tommy, Rich, and I mean, we've given it to him quite a bit, but Stevie Richards in this one. Stevie Richards is really good. He, I mean, his interaction with Raven in the ring, with Dr. Death in the ring, even the whole Morton thing. He, yeah. from the, the second proud. that match started, you could see the smile on his face like he was just enjoying himself. He's in there with, you know, an actual wrestling legend, and you could just tell he was having the time of his life. I think that's. You know, what part added of, to the whole face humping people, thing yeah. is... He was feeling know, himself. I'm fucking in here with Ricky Morton! <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the other thing, like, RVD is uh, on the show, and he's over, and I love him, and he calls himself the whole fucking show, Mr. Monday Night. Mm-hmm. For the last handful of months, Stevie Richards is the whole fucking show. Mm-hmm. He's involved in so many things... He's completely over. His whole crew is over, but it has. Mo- it's mostly him. Yeah. He is. He is the leader. People think Blue Meanie is funny. Nobody has any strong feelings about Supernova, but like, no one's annoyed or mad or bothered by him. Like Stevie Richards is it's like, like keeping everything together in a way. I can't look at Supernova without seeing one of the young bucks. He just. It looks like I don't know which one it is because I don't know them by name, but. They look the same. Yeah. He something about the beard, the dark hair, the <laughs> yeah, bandana. Does. You're right. He does. He's, he's he's a buck. Yeah, he's kind of got a, the, a similar oh, that, build. That's definitely Nick Jackson. The beard, yeah. yeah. Big brother buck, I guess. I mean, I was totally joking. The Lance Storm, the I real know. real best performer is Chris Father Skill Brown. Mm-hmm. Truth. But yeah, I mean the whole the whole FN show, Steve, big big Stevie, cool. Mm-hmm. What a performer. How about most surprising? Lots. Tommy and Tommy Rich. Rude. Uh, rude. Pitbull number one. Yep. They actually did right by Pitbull number one. Yes. Uh, Cloudy was surprising, but mostly a head scratch. It was more confused. I guess I think it's because of, people are probably waiting for Sunny to come down yeah. at some point. I'd or call it most Tammy. confusing, I guess, would be Cloudy. We'll add an addendum to the segment. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. Big Van Vader had won the WCW World Heavyweight Championship at a house show in Baltimore at the end of December, and now would take it across the pond to the United Kingdom for a tour where he would face Sting on March 11th, 1993, at Wembley Arena. 
The stinger would cut off Harley Race's interference before catching Vader coming off the top rope with a power slam to become champion for the second time. The tour would continue throughout the United Kingdom, ending in Dublin, Ireland at the point on March 17, 1993, where Sting would face the former champion, attempting to win his title back. Vader would use his size and power advantage early on with avalanche attacks and short-arm clotheslines. But Sting would fire back with drop kicks and clotheslines of his own to take the fight to the outside, where Race would look to get involved, only for the Stinger to avoid, causing Harley to take a clothesline from Big Van Vader. A missed drop kick by Sting back inside the ring put Vader in control, nailing suplexes and splashes before coming off the top rope. But again, the Stinger would catch him with a power slam, only for Vader to kick out. Sting wasn't able to capitalize on the momentum shift as Vader would knock him out to the floor before continuing the punishment inside the ring with more avalanches and slams. The big man would hit a Vader bomb with Harley calling for another, but this time the Stinger moves in time, allowing him to fire up with a Kapoo kick and a pair of DDTs. Sting would keep up the attack with a German suplex and a Stinger splash, and the ref would try to get the two men out of a corner, only to be knocked down, allowing Sting to try for another splash, but this time Race would move Vader in time, causing the Stinger to hit the ring post. Vader would nail a powerbomb to become the WCW World Heavyweight Champion for the third time. Big Van Vader would then feud with Cactus Jack, Davy Boy Smith, and Sid Vicious throughout the year, until a man would put his career on the line to get another title shot. Quick question. WCW did a Wembley show in 93? Wembley Arena is basically like a basketball arena oh, okay. not Wembley Stadium where okay the I got gotcha. all, all in just happened yeah yeah I got gotcha. you yeah I'm just just uh, I was just I double checked that as well okay cool <laughs> I was like they did a Wembley show and like didn't there's no tape of this happy for it sounds like a nice match and uh glad that they did the right thing and did something a big fun title change on an, a tour yep. in another country is that's only, cool it is only they have, there's a line on a WCW Saturday night yeah. that says, yeah, Sting beat Vader on this house show, but then Vader beating to... So that's why Vader's still your champion. Like, yeah. literally, it's like one line on a yeah. WCW Saturday Totally makes sense considering, you know, the tours and whatnot, but it just that sounds like a, a nice match. That's all. Yep. Sounds cool. Next week, In Your House 13... Final four. The match that we've been gearing up to for a month. Or four. No, just a month. <laughs> you know, January. We're about it's February. Sure. February yeah. review. So music from this week's show is Thunder Kiss 65. Five five. Yeah. By Rob Zombie. And the Pitbull got the win. Yeah. So we play their music. Thunder Kiss 65. 5 5. Yeah. By Rob Zombie. Pretty funny that they have the same intro song as hey, ECW. They are ECW. I mean, it's a great, great wrestling song. <laughs> hey, spoiler alert. We only have one more time, one more show. 
a Thunderkiss 65. Oh, what did yeah? they switch to? <laughs> yeah, damn it. <laughs> He's quick. The EC, the, the real ECW uh, theme song. Okay, so yeah, yeah. By Harry yeah. Slash. I when I hear it all when I hear when I hear it I'll know it. It's not very good, but yeah. we'll just have to throw it back to Thunder Kiss. Mm-hmm. But if you like this show or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. Do as Michael says. Five stars or no stars. Don't waste your time being rude. If you have any questions, comments, concerns. If you've ever been to where are we going next? We're going to Chattanooga. Back to Tennessee. Awesome. Give me some ideas. Yeah. If, if Anything you've... that's not hot chicken. Because we did hot chicken. <laughs> we've done, yeah, we've done hot chicken a couple times. Yeah. So I'm going to have to get really creative on this. I'm but... sure there is a drink called the Chattahoochee Chatt- 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 or something. Oh, yeah. Some Chattahoochee. Yeah. Way down yonder? Yeah. Uh-huh. If, uh, if you got any ideas for me for Tennessee, for anything ECW related, or any of the shows that we watch, slide into our DMs. Hit us up on the, uh, the X and let us know. Be like our uh, our friend Joe and Get send creative. me some ideas. Talk to ChatGBT if you want to. If you have any of those things, please email us at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on X at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O. X. We'll talk to you next week. Laters. Blue World Order. Blue <laughs> <laughs> Losers. Losers. <laughs>